You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Bulldog Hour second season. I'm here flying solo to start this one, and perhaps for the entire episode. And we uh, wish Mr. Raffoff well as he recovers from an illness uh, that he's fighting through. But we, uh, we're going to power on and get you through this seventh episode of the Bulldog Hour here in 2016. And we get to talk about how the Wilson Bulldogs football team fared against the Hempfield Black Knights and the Conestoga Valley Buckskin. So once again, I'm Joe Mays, and you're stuck with me throughout the uh, duration of this show. But, you know, well, welcome in. It's always fun to talk about Wilson football, and we'll ha- get the show highlights this evening. We'll talk about some statistics and, you know, talk about some Bulldog uh, domination and another great regular season in the books for the Wilson football program. And a, a couple uh, things to highlight and to touch on, and uh, we're going to get started with the Week 9 victory over Hempfield. So the Bulldogs powered on, got their eighth win of the season against the Hempfield Black Knights on Friday, October 28th, just a few days before Halloween. And they did so in convincing fashion by the time the end of the game rolled around and the final score ended up being 38-7. to Now, it started... Well, it started off really strong, actually. We're going to see when we watch the highlights that Wilson came out and scored within the first 15 seconds of the game. And this was thanks to a forced fumble and a fumble recovery that was taken to the house for a touchdown by Justin Weller. And it was caused by Tommy O'Brien. So it was a great start for the Bulldogs when you ever can get the scores from the defense or special teams, which Wilson got both in the game. And we'll touch on that in a bit. That's a good sign. However, the offense was a little sluggish at first. Uh, they only ended up going into halftime up 17 nothing, which generally is nice. 17-point lead is nothing to sneeze at, especially when the week before against Manhattan Township, they only scored 17 points the whole game. However, they were relied on scoring a touchdown late to go up 17 nothing at halftime. So Wilson was in control for the most part. Defense was playing really well at stopping anything thrown at them. But everyone knew that Wilson could play better. And then the second half came around and Wilson just completely dominated, scoring 21 points. Uh, and Hemphill only got their touchdown near the end of the game when Wilson backups and junior varsity were in. So Wilson, while started maybe a bit slow, definitely showed that they were the much better team this season, 38-7. to And you'll remember last year, Hemphill gave Wilson their toughest test in the Lancaster Lebanon league schedule uh, forced Wilson to score with just a few minutes remaining in the fourth and then hold on in uh, at Hempfield when Wilson was attempting to set a new streak of consecutive victories in Lancaster Lebanon league section one play. So Wilson starts a little slow, finishes strong. They get, they win their 63rd straight at the time in LL league, extending their record 
and uh, it really was all about defense and special teams and the rushing game. That was a big component of the Wilson's night on offense. Uh, we'll go through some statistics here before we get to the highlights. Wilson, first downs, 18. Hemphill got 12. Respectable. Wilson's held opponents to less. And the Bulldogs didn't get a, a, a ton. I mean, 18 is, is nice for sure, but we've seen them get 20 and sometimes even close to 30 in some of their other games this year. But they were able to get 18 first downs for the Bulldogs against the Black Knights. Rushing yards, Wilson uh, more than doubled up. Hempfield 285 to 136. Like I mentioned, the ground game really moving. And Coach Doms mentioned after the game in the team huddle that former coach and the legendary John Gursky was smiling down at the offensive line's efforts against Hempfield producing so many huge holes against uh, Hempfield's 3-3 and eventually a 4-3 defense. Uh, said Coach Tom just said that former coach John Gursky would be very happy with the way the team performed, especially in the trenches. Passing yardage, Wilson, just 32 passing yards. They didn't really need to rely on the passing game, and it shows on the stat sheet. Hempfield, though, only got 50, and they really should have been should have needed to pass since they were losing most of the game, but the Wilson defense and the secondary performed very, very well. Total yards, Wilson 317, Hemphill 186. Time of possession, Wilson got the upper hand there as well. 25 minutes, 56 seconds to Hemphill 2204. Third down, Wilson over 50%, 6 of 11. Hemphill only 2 of 10. Fourth down, Wilson converted their one that they attempted, and Hemphill didn't get a single one. They turned the ball over on downs three times. And in the red zone, once again, Wilson perfect, four for four. Hemphill one of two, and again, that score came at the end of the game with Wilson starters on the sidelines. Who are some of the uh, key players of the game? Some stats from key positions. Well, Grayson Klein got the start at the junior quarterback, played for the first time since, I believe, against Penn Manor, and he started for the injured Connor Urig and Grayson went three of eight for 32 yards, a touchdown, and he had two interceptions. We're going to see both of them in the highlights, but the first interception is a deflected pass, and the second interception is actually a beautiful play by the safety. Um, not really poorly thrown balls by Grayson, uh, but you know sometimes the way the ball bounces or when you have a great player uh, just makes a play on the ball. And that's uh, what we're going to see happened on Grayson Klein's interceptions against Hempfield. But he did have a very, very nice thrown ball to Justin Weller for the score right before halftime to put Wilson up 17 to nothing. Iggy Reynoso, the star in the ground game again, 24 carries for 191 yards and finally got a touchdown. He actually had two other touchdowns called back due to penalties, but he did get one that counted after rushing for 191 yards on the game. I mentioned Justin Weller connected with Grayson Klein for the touchdown. Weller had a combined two catches for 26 yards. On defense, it was Leo Quigley and Tommy O'Brien. Quigley had seven and a half tackles and half a sack. O'Brien chipped in six and a half tackles and the forced fumble, which Justin Weller returned for a touchdown on the first offensive play of first Hempfield offensive play of the game. So let's take a look here now at some of the highlights from the game against the Hempfield Black Knights. And uh, it's about four minutes long, so I'll try to give you an idea of what's happening. Most of them, again, going to be rushing highlights. And uh, it was a big night for the Wilson offensive line and running back Iggy Reynoso. We'll see some defensive sacks as well. And uh, 
you know, a, a great performance from the Wilson team all around in the 38-7 to victory. So let's take a look at these highlights. And the first play actually is the Wilson defense. You're going to see a nice uh, hit by Tommy O'Brien and the scoop and score by Justin Weller. Now, I think if you would zoom in on this, that may have very well been uh, down by contact. It's tough to tell. It's very quick, but uh, the running back may have been down. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing you do about it. There's no replay in high school, and Wilson got the uh, the touchdown. Now, that second play was a nice run by Iggy Reynoso. Here we're going to see another uh, a ni- nice pass completion. Oh, no, this is the first interception. My apologies. It went right off the hands of Alex Twyford, bounced right into the Hempfield defender. Now, Wilson, of course, would stop them, prevent them from scoring. Bulldogs would take over. And here we're going to see another nice run by Iggy Reynoso right up the middle of the defense. That offensive line really was creating huge holes. And Iggy picked up a good 20-some yards on that play. And, well, we're probably going to see more of the same right here. Now you see Hemfield kind of shifted into a 4-3. They tried to bring some pressure, and Wilson just made him pay. Iggy finding the hole nicely, scooting to the outside, and willing to go out of bounds without taking a hit. You know, why take unnecessary hits? You just got over 15 yards. No need to just try to plow someone over for an additional yard here. And then Tommy O'Brien also getting in the mix in the rushing game. He takes a big gain up the left side, outside of the sideline on Hempfield. Now, Wilson got to kick a field goal, a nice 37-yard kick by Nick Borelli. I'm going to apologize to him right now. As I mentioned on the Bulldog Hour the last time on Episode 6, that he may have kicked the ball out of bounds a few times. Justin and I were actually misinterpreting the uh, the statistics, and he did not kick the ball out of bounds. Uh, so apologies to Nick Borelli. Here, if you're watching, you just saw a sack by Brian Wright. And now we're going to see the Wilson offense take over. And this right here is Grayson's second interception. You can see a great, great play by number six, uh, the safety for Hemfield, who just comes across and, and picks off the pass. But here we're going to see another sack by the Wilson defense, swarming all night again. Leo Quigley, a big player for the defense that evening against Hemfield. Now Wilson going right back to. The running game, Iggy Reynoso up the middle, shedding some blocks or setting some tackles, making people miss and fighting for some extra yards, get, gets across midfield. The Wilson drive continues in Hemfield territory, and this is where Grayson Klein's going to find Justin Weller, who makes a fabulous diving catch just inside the goal line, hands the ball to the ref, and celebrates with his teammates. Wilson's up 17 to nothing. We're now in the third quarter, another nice toss from Klein to Tommy O'Brien who's able to weave across the field and get the first down. He picks up nearly 15 yards on that carry. A nice compliment to Iggy Reynoso. Now here we're going to finally see some pay dirt as Iggy's going to take the ball right up the middle, nearly untouched as he steps a a, a tackle around the 1-2 yard line and waltzes into the end zone. Again, this is an interesting play. You're going to see the running back lurch forward, waiting for a penalty flag. Nothing comes. They kind of stop playing, and Wilson gets a huge sack and uh, forces them to punt. That one was by Eddie Ortiz there. And another sack. I believe this one was on fourth down. This forced a turnover on downs. No, I'm sorry. That one was on third down. Then they punt the ball. And what happens on the punt? Well, Wilson Sr., Mason McElroy gets great downfield blocking, including from Isaiah Regal, who follows the punter all the way down 
and Mason gets into the end zone for the score. No flags. This one counts as he's had a few nice returns called back this year. Once again, Wilson on offense. This time it's to the freshman running back, Abdul McFoy. And while the camera's not going to show it to you, he does stick the ball out over the pylon and gets in for the touchdown. And that would cap off the Wilson scoring 38 points. And uh, here against the Wilson JVs, Hempfield gets their touchdown from the evening. And that's where it would end right there. So, you know, there's the highlights and the takeaways from the Hempfield game. Again, Wilson 38-7 to over the Black Knights. The ground game was the big story. You could see it in the highlights. The offensive line, huge holes, great downfield blocking. Running backs, Iggy Reynoso primarily, but when Tommy O'Brien, when he got the chance, great vision, making people miss, taking on contact, knowing when not to take on contact. Big run after big run, easily probably close to 10 runs combined between the three backs that we saw play, Reynoso, McFoy, and O'Brien. Between the three of them, they probably had... 10 runs of 15 or more, you know, well, we, Wilson rushed for over 280 yards. So that's obviously uh, going to play a big part. I, I don't believe the longest run was hit 30. I think Iggy's longest run might've been about 27 yards. So it, it was just a consistent effort from the offensive line, the and the running backs and finding the right plays to just gash the Hempfield defense consistently for five to 15 yards. And it, it just added up. So great performance by the Bulldogs in the end to, to win this one 38-7. And like I said, eighth win of the year. Clinches a share of the Lancaster-Lebanon League Section 1 title for the ninth straight season. The Bulldogs got to claim that for their own should they beat Conestoga Valley, which we'll get to in a moment. But at least a share of the title for sure. The only team they could possibly share it with is Warwick, the only team left in LL that has one loss pending their game in Week 10. And we'll cover all of that in a little bit. But Wilson, 38, Hempfield, 7. Let's take a look at some of the games. Now, the biggest thing going on that night was it was senior night. And here I, I only have nine of, I believe, the 19 seniors pictured here. I have them all up on the Facebook page. Um, remember, facebook.com slash Wilson Bulldogs football and Facebook. Facebook.com slash Bulldog Hour will get you all that Facebook goodness, including the pictures from the game. And on the left, if you're watching, you see uh, Fode Jello, Tommy O'Brien, Malachi Clore, Leo Quigley, Brian Wright, J.P. Schauber, Nick Zapone, Justin Weller, Mason McElroy in numerical order. Those are the ones popping up for you here. I do have all of the uh, cutout headshots or body shots that are on the Facebook page in the album. And then on the right, the picture there that I got after the game of the underclassmen carrying the seniors off of Gursky Stadium turf, which is generally supposed to be the last time. Um, but the way things are going, Wilson will most likely have an additional home game in the playoffs. But we'll cover that in just a few minutes. But for the, supposedly the last time, you can see here, uh, Fode Jalo, Franz Borden, Nick Borelli, and Mason McElroy have some of their teammates carrying them off the field, as is the tradition for the team to do on senior night every season. Now, a lot was made about the game and what was happening with the offense, and that was the story of the night was the ground game. So, you know, you're thinking, 
or or Justin and I are thinking when we're talking about it. Who who's the player of the game? Obviously, in consideration had to be Iggy. You know, he had nearly 200 yards rushing, had be touched on the ground, had a couple called back, and he just looked really good running the ball against what seemed to be an overmanned defense. But as was the case last year at Mannheim Township, we picked a unit against the Blue Streaks in 2015, and we picked the defense. And we hadn't done that yet this year, so we talked about it. And the best way we thought to point out the dominance against the Hempfield Black Knights was the men in the trenches. And last year we went entire defense for the game against Manheim Township. Well, in 25th, excuse me, 2016 against Hempfield at home on senior night, we thought the player of the game was a unit in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. That's right. The offensive linemen are the players of the game for the win over Hempfield. And just to call them out so they know that we love them. Number 50, senior Isaiah Regal. Number 53, junior Chris Price. Number 57, senior Jake Morris. Number 55, senior Franz Borden. And number 65, junior Wyatt Schonauer. And as is up on the screen, they paved the way for 18 first downs, 17 of them on the ground. Wilson only picked up one additional first down. Uh, I'm not even sure if it was via passing or, or penalty, but 18 first downs in total, 17 of them on the ground. 285 total rushing yards. That's good for 6.3 yards per attempt. And 191 and one touchdown was by junior running back Iggy Reynoso mentioned as a potential player of the game. Also in consideration besides the men in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball, uh, good games from Justin Weller, obviously with the defensive touchdown and the receiving touchdown. And also Tommy O'Brien, lots of tackles, very active on defense. And a nice a bunch of nifty runs on offense. Leo Quigley mentioned all over the field on defense, making tackle after tackle. And Mason McElroy, special teams touchdown again. And he's just so, so dangerous. He's one of the best in the States. And we could see him, um, you know, at least mentioned uh, in consideration for the All-State team when all is said and done in December. So... That's the Hempfield game. Again, just a reminder, Wilson comes out on top on Friday, October 28, 2016, 38-7. And, well, as is Bulldog Hour fashion, we're able to catch up with a few players after the victory. And this time we grabbed two guys that we haven't talked to yet this year. We grabbed, well, who else? Some offensive linemen. We talked to senior center Jake Morris and senior right guard Franz Borden. So we're going to take a listen to what they had to say after the senior night victory over Hempfield. All right. Joining us after the victory over Hempfield 38 to seven are senior offensive lineman, Jake Morris and Franz Borden. Our guys though, you know, playing offensive line get overlooked a lot, but tonight as coach mentioned after the game, coach, Former coach John Gersey will be smiling down at the way you guys performed this evening, opening up rushing lanes left and right. Your team managed to rush for 285 yards, and 191 of those was by junior running back Iggy Reynoso. Was there something in the game plan this week that you knew that this was a big opportunity to open it up on the ground, or 
is it just something that started to click between the five of you tonight? Well, going in, we knew, we knew the, the defense they run would be a little bit weaker to, to inside run. So going in, coaches were, were pushing the 22s and the 23s really, really hard. Yeah, and it, it was nothing out of the ordinary that we usually saw. Um, at this point in the season, we've already seen you know, our, all the basic defense fronts. So we tended to work a little bit more on the stack this week. And uh, we mastered it during practice. And uh, we came out onto the field and tried hard and good. Excellent. Now, guys, with the victory, you've earned at least a share of a ninth straight title. Uh, next week, if you'd beat Conestoga Valley, it would be outright yours for the ninth straight year. What does it feel like to know that you will graduate having won a league title every year? It's just a, it's just a legacy that we've learned, we've learned about through the years of growing up in this program. And it's a huge honor to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, like Fran said, uh, overall, it's, it's just it's what it's what the past teams always uh, pressure us on to keeping the streak alive. And uh, overall, it's just it's, like I said, it's the past teams that make us push harder every week of practice and uh, try our best out on the field every night. Yeah, like you mentioned, the streak well, the streak of consecutive games also bumps up one to 63. And you take down CV next week, you'll finish your career also never losing a game to LL teams and go out on top at 64. Um, what does it say about the program to be able to win that much and just to take the league by storm year in, year out? What do you attribute it to? It shows that no matter what we lose the year before or no matter who, who comes in or who steps in, that we are always going to reload. It shows how good the coaching staff is and it shows how well we prepare for it. <laughs> he, he put it out there. I can't really say anything else. Well, now, you know, one game left. We don't want to look ahead, but uh, playoffs coming up. Um, if, if you get, if, if there was a team you'd like to see in the second season, is there one out there that you're like, I'd like to play them, see how we match up? If maybe it'd be a rematch. Is there anyone out there? Or you just focus on Conestoga Valley? Um, of course, of course, you know, CD's always on the map, but as of now, we're just. Alright, well guys, before we let you go, is there anything you want to say to uh, your teammates, coaches, players, uh, fellow players, fans, anything like that? I'm just sure, uh, I, I appreciate everything my Everything the fans do during the games, I appreciate everything the teammates on the sidelines do during on Friday nights and everything during the week to keep to get us ready for the game. Um, like Ron said, uh, I appreciate pretty much all the uh, all the all the kids that are in the squad and everybody out there during practice this week for charter every year, and uh, of course to the past programs that have kept this legacy and streak alive as well to keep on pushing on for. 38-7 to 7 victory on senior night. Doesn't get too much better than that. All right, we'll see you guys at Conestoga Valley next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we appreciate uh, senior offensive lineman Jake Morris and Franz Borden for joining us after the victory over Hempfield just a couple of weeks ago in week nine of the regular season. Again, Wilson won that game 38-7 to 7 at Gursky senior night. Last home game of the regular season, and Wilson improved to eight and one, looking to move ahead and cover the last and final game on the Wilson regular season schedule, and that was a trip to Conestoga Valley, 
where two years ago Wilson went there and dominated 61-14. to And that earned Coach Doug Doms his 100th victory as the Wilson head coach. Now, would we see a return to the winning column with Wilson's travel to play the Buckskins in 2016? Well, let's take a look. So Friday, November 4th, Wilson at Conestoga Valley. Regular season finale, Conestoga Valley would not be making the playoffs regardless of the outcome of this game. So it was literally the last game that the seniors would ever play, including their great senior quarterback, Grant Stoltzfist, a four-year starter who needed less than 100 yards to eclipse Chad Henney's standing as the uh, fourth highest passer in the uh, LL League. And Stoltz would need just under 100 yards. I think it might have been somewhere in the 70s, 70 passing yards on the evening to leapfrog Chad into fourth place all-time in Lancaster 11 League football history. But the Bulldogs, while while they gave him the record in the second half, they stymied him early and often, and the offense had their way with the Buckskins as Wilson raced to a 42-0 lead at halftime and would hold on in the second half to win this one 42-21. So the Bulldogs finish the 2016 regular season at a cool 9-1, the only loss coming back way back in Week 3 when the team traveled to Central Dolphin. But Wilson rebounded and won seven straight, another undefeated run through the Lancaster Lebanon League schedule, and they are once again undefeated champions of the Lancaster Lebanon League for a unprecedented and record-setting ninth straight season. It also extended their winning streak against Section 1 teams in the regular season to 64. So before we get to the highlights, let's take a, take a look at some of the pictures. And right there you see freshman Nate Keller modeling numbers, jersey number 64, talking about the uh, winning streak right there. And on the right, if you're watching, you can see Coach Doug Doms holding up nine fingers to signify nine straight league titles for the Bulldogs. And in that picture, you also notice on the left corner, you'll see offensive lineman, or excuse me, offensive line coach Jeff Brubaker. He was actually, during a funny moment, during the first half of the game, he was the answer to a trivia question posed by the Conestoga Valley uh, press box and uh, announcer. And the question was, what Conestoga Valley graduate played on the 1986 Penn State National Championship team? And obviously, as I spoiled the answer already, the answer was Wilson offensive line coach Jeff Brubaker. So uh, he was returning to his high school alma mater, and uh, the team put on a show for him, and his offensive line in particular performed incredibly well for a second straight week. And we'll actually hear Coach Doms talk about the offensive line uh, in a little bit. But why don't we check out some of the highlights from the game against the Conestoga Valley Buckskins. All right, so we got 90-second highlights here, courtesy of the team on huddle. We're going to start out in the first quarter, and we're going to see a nice pass by Grayson Klein to Fode Jallo down the right side, makes a nice adjustment and catch on the ball, goes out at about the nine-yard line, and that would set up Wilson's first touchdown by Iggy Reynoso on a pass from Grayson Klein. Now, the next time the Bulldogs had the ball, Reynoso scampered 57 yards, getting tackled just inside the two-yard line, right around the one, 
and he would score on the next play for his second touchdown of the night. Now here's a nice sack by Eddie Ortiz. You could see me in the corner, and I took uh, three nice pictures of that sack by Eddie Ortiz. Second quarter, now Wilson's up 35 to nothing, and here comes another sack by Fode Jallo. So offense clicking, defense moving, and another sack here. This one by Isaiah Regal and Eddie Ortiz. Now we're going to see a nice 24-yard pass from Grayson Klein over the middle to Nick Johnson, the sophomore tight end who's played a lot this year, both on offense and defense. And here's your top three performers from Huddle, Grayson Klein, Iggy Reynoso, and Justin Weller. And Huddle's player of the game is Ignacion Reynoso, or, or Iggy. And there's your highlights, or your recap, of the final score and some statistics, which we'll get to here momentarily. But I think because Huddle kind of spoiled it there for us on who their player of the game was, maybe we should talk about who our player of the game is for the Week 10 victory over Conestoga Valley. And that is none other than, well, they spoiled it, junior running back outside linebacker Iggy Reynoso. He rushed 13 times for 111 yards, scoring three rushing touchdowns. He also had one catch for seven yards and a receiving touchdown. And for the season, he rushed 142 times. For just over 1,000 yards, 1,036, and 18 total touchdowns. Now, obviously, season's not over. Bulldogs have the second season to play for. But during the first two, 10 games of the regular season, Iggy averaged over 100 yards a game and nearly two touchdowns per contest. So I believe for the third time this year, junior running back Iggy Reynoso is the Bulldog Hours player of the game. All right, let's get back to some of the stats from the Conestoga Valley game just the other night. First downs, Wilson had 18, Conestoga Valley had 13. However, they only had four in the first half. And as we talk about the score and the highlights that you watched, as well as the statistics we're going over now, it's important to note that very few Wilson starters played at all in the second half. It wasn't like they came out after a few series. A lot of them didn't play at all. And I believe the offensive line and quarterback, Grayson Klein, played the first series of the second half, the first one in the third quarter. But then that was it. A lot of the guys, especially the defenders, came out wearing uh, shirts and sweatshirts and, and, and different pants. You know, they, they weren't even ready to go. Uh, the JV had a little bit of a, a tough time in the third quarter stopping Conestoga Valley. They scored three straight touchdowns, and people started to get a little anxious, a little nervous, uh, just because they had cut the, the lead in half. But uh, they stepped up and played much better in the fourth quarter, and then the final score was 42-21. to 21. But uh, So a lot of these stats from the starters are just one half or a little over one half of football. So Wilson had 18 first downs to Conestoga Valley's 13. Again, most of those coming in the second half. They had only four in the first half. Rushing yards, Wilson piled up 266, Conestoga Valley, three. Now, obviously, rushing yards, you lose them on sacks, and Wilson was piling up the sacks on the evening. I think they had four of them, and uh, that really put a dent into Conestoga Valley's net rushing yards. They ended up with three on the game. They only had 34 total yards in the entire first half against that Wilson starting D. They really couldn't do anything. They really uh, held a... Stoltzfus and Barbon in check. Passing yards, 
Wilson, 134. Conestoga Valley ended up with 250 from Stoltzfus, so he did move ahead of Chad into fourth all-time in LLE history. Total yards, Wilson with an even 400. Conestoga Valley, 253. Time of possession ended up being pretty close to even. Wilson had just a shade under 25 minutes at 24.55, and Conestoga Valley, 23.05. Third downs, Wilson, okay, didn't, didn't break the... 50% market finished 3 of 7, but CV was worse at 3 of 11. Fourth downs, I don't think Wilson failed to convert a fourth down with the varsity unit. Actually, I'm not sure they were ever forced to punt with the varsity unit. But the Bulldogs finished 0 of 3 on fourth downs. Conestoga Valley, 0, 0 of 1. And in the red zone, Wilson played really well. They are 6 of 7. Seven trips to the red zone, six scores, all of them touchdowns. And Conestoga Valley, well, they were one of one, and that one came in the third quarter against backups and the junior varsity. Player stats, well, we always me- already mentioned Iggy Reynoso had 13 rushes for 111 yards and three three scores. Grayson Klein started at quarterback again. Uh, Connor Urig still injured on a week-to-week basis. We'll see if he's able to suit up for the playoffs. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Grayson filled in. And went 10 of 14 for 134 yards and three touchdowns. Really nice night from him. Really impressed with the way he was throwing the ball. He made, you know, he only attempted 14 passes, and a lot of them were into tight windows, or he put a nice touch on the ball down the field. We saw that one to Fode in the highlights. He also ripped a few nice ones into Justin Weller, who finished with two catches for 33 yards and a score. We, we saw Nick Johnson in the highlights. He had two catches for 39 yards. We saw Fode two for 40. Also, Alex Twyford got in the action, two catches for 17 yards and a score, and we mentioned Iggy with his one for seven yards and a touchdown. On defense, uh, it was interesting on the evening that Justin Weller, uh, the senior that moved in from Illinois, starting at wide receiver and cornerback, normally he didn't play much, if at all, on defense. Uh, he's nursing a, a hamstring injury, so he's limited uh, snap time against the Buckskins. He made him count scoring the touchdown, but he didn't see much time on defense and Wilson actually started a sophomore in his place in Isaiah Gilmore. Now, yeah, if that name sounds familiar, yes, it's the same family or the same extended family. And um, also Joey Fox got a start as kind of like a, a nickel-dime safety. Uh, the position that J.P. Schauber usually plays is Joey Fox filled in while Schauber was out with uh, an illness. And uh, Joey played extremely well. Four tackles actually led the team or tied for the lead with uh, senior linebacker Fode Jallo had four tackles. Three of them were four loss, one of them being a sack. And you saw Fode and Brian Wright, as well as Isaiah Regal and Eddie Ortiz, in the Buckskins backfield all evening while, while the starters were in in the first half. They just really disrupted anything that Conestoga Valley tried to do. They were just smothering them all night. And it was interesting. Wilson mostly played a 3-3-5 defense and would send a linebacker and the Buckskin O-line just didn't know what to do, how to handle it. Most of the time, that linebacker coming off the edge was unblocked because of the the width of the uh, the Wilson defensive ends, and they they couldn't get anything going. So a great scheme put forth once again by uh, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber. Speaking of Ortiz, I mentioned his play at defensive end for the Bulldogs on the evening. He finished with one and a half sacks. After the win over Conestoga Valley, we got to talk with Grayson Klein, quarterback for the Bulldogs, junior, who played very well against Conestoga Valley, and we got to hear from him. 
And we're also going to jump right into our interview with head coach Doug Dom. So let's take a listen to Grayson Klein and Doug Dom's following Wilson's ninth victory of the season over Conestoga Valley. All right, joining the Bulldog Hour post game is quarterback Grayson Klein. A ninth victory on the season tonight with a re- resounding 42 to 21 victory over the Buckskins. Now Wilson was up 42 to nothing at halftime. Um, some interesting moments in the second half as uh, the JV uh, defense uh, let up a few scores and made things interesting. But all in all, Wilson's victory means their ninth consecutive undefeated run through Section 1 and uh, clinches a top two finish for the Bulldogs in District 3, 6A power ratings. Grayson, great night tonight from you. Three touchdowns, I believe. What did it feel like to uh, get a second straight second straight start and really connect with the two of your receivers. We saw you hit Reynoso, Weller, and Twyford this evening. Well, the Falcons be able to get into a rhythm. I mean, it's just, it's been rough. I've been out a little bit as we know, but finally got, I was able to get back in there and get a rhythm and connect with a couple of my guys. Yeah, now we got 10 of 14, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Very, very efficient evening. Very nice. I, I commented to, um, to uh, Coach Burke, who was standing with me during the night, your one threaded the needle pass to, I think it was Weller. Uh, it wasn't a touchdown throw, but it was just a regular reception. And I said that was an amazing pass. It looked looked great to see you out there clicking. Uh, and I know Justin Weller is one of your favorite targets. You guys really clicked over the summer. Yeah. So it's nice to see you guys hooking up again. Now, what does it mean going into the playoffs uh, on this, uh, this high note? You know, you've won seven in a row. Uh, convincing fashion the last few weeks. Got a nail biter over Manning Township a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know what, what's the uh, team's attitude as you roll into the District Three Six A playoff? Well, we're obviously going to enjoy this one tonight. Varsity guys played great, and those guys just ended undefeated in the league. So that's huge for them. But we can't let the highs get too high and the lows get too low. So going in, we just don't want to repeat last year and get knocked out early. Certainly. Now I know it's tough to tell because I don't even know what all the final scores are around the league yet. Uh, but was there a specific team that you thought you could possibly see in the first round of the playoffs? Was it a team you had seen before, or would it be an all-new team? Either one's fine with me. A new challenge is always appreciated, but if it's a team we've played in the past, we know we can get them, and we'll be ready to attack the league. And now, uh, looking looking ahead as well, um, offensively speaking, is it going forward has a Coach Dom, Coach Palm talked about a, a balanced attack, something to keep uh, teams guessing, or was there one facet of the game that they wanted to feature? Well, last week it was obviously they were in a 3-3, so it was more run balance and pound the rock. Like you said, Gersky was happy about that one. Okay, yes. This week they kind of had more of a spread out defense. They, had, they ran a 6-2 at time, 6-1, so we just figured take what they give us. But moving forward, we're not really not sure we're just going to Deal with it. We're gonna play with the cards we were dealt and move on from there. What does it mean now? And I think we talked to you about this uh, probably towards the beginning of the season uh, about the uh, the league winning streak. I think we actually talked to you before league play began. So you know, 64 games, and now you got three years that you are 21 and 0 against LL teams. How? Just talk about that record and that streak. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the program? Well, it's obviously a huge part in Wilson's history as a football team. I mean. 64 games is huge. That's a long time. Like I remember being a little kid and hearing the streak, the streak, and that's when it was 10, 12 games. Wow, this is amazing. 
I never thought I'd get to be a part of it. So, I mean, looking at all the quarterbacks in the past, Isaac, Timochenko, guys I really looked up to, and now I'm in their position, and it feels awesome. Well, congratulations on a great game, great season to date, and I know you guys look forward to playing uh, many more, hopefully. Yeah. All right, and if we're talking to you next week, we know it's another Bulldog victory. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, thanks, Grayson. Thank you. All right, now joining us, Coach Doms. Well, you did it once again. Ninth straight run through the LL League. Section 1 undefeated, stretching your league winning streak to 64 games. What, where do you put the uh, – what's the testament to a team this strong this many years in a row? You had some close calls, but once again, unblemished going through the league. Well, you know, I, I go right back. It's, it all starts with our coaching staff. I got a veteran coaching staff. They put in unbelievable amount of hours studying film, preparing, game planning, and then on the field preparing the kids. And you know, we have a we have a a philosophy that goes back to when Bernie Stoppi used to coach. He said, "You put the kids in a position to win, and then it's up to them." So we put a game plan together, put them in a position to win. You know, try to prepare them as best we can, and then it falls on them. And you know, they've been able to do that year in and year out. I mean, it's 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 a streak that's just unbelievable. I mean, it's unfathomable that you can go that long without a loss. I mean, you know, a bounce of a ball or a bad call like the one on <laughs> the punt return. Yep. Or you know, I mean, there've been teams we've had quite a few years where we probably weren't the best team in the league. But, you know, managed to win it. I could probably name at least four or five of those nine years. Yeah, every every year the uh, LL writers like to say, is this going to be the year? And nine, <laughs> nine straight seasons now, haven't been able to. It was close calls, like we mentioned. Uh, you know, and one of those close calls this year was uh, against Warwick. Uh, and they'll be in the District 368 playoffs. We don't know seeding yet. Um, but what is... What is it like to have to play a team a second time when the game really, really counts? How tough is it to face someone like Woolwork or a township after already beating them once this year? It's hard, and you usually you get one of two results. You either destroy the team or you lose. Because your kids either really buy into the fact that you got to really play hard and this has got to be a whole new game and we've, you know, we've learned what they can do and we play better, or... Kids come in a little overconfident and aren't mentally ready, and, and that's something you have to guard against. And it's hard yeah. because you know, no matter how close the game was, oh, we won last time. Yeah, we saw it, the Bulldogs come out on top in that scenario four years ago in the district championship game against Harrisburg yeah. after losing in the regular season, but then last year the reverse effect sure. against CDE. Least, yeah. Now we saw over the last two weeks, uh, it seemed like a conscientious effort to get back to ground game and you mentioned following the win against Hempfield last week uh, that coach uh, Gursky would be proud of the way the team played w was that something that the offensive staff said this is what we're going to do based on matchups or personnel I think as a, our offensive line is coming into its own that way so you know if we can run the ball it really sets up the pass and you know I've always been a run first you know coach you know, set the pass up with the run, and you know, we're starting to uh, do a pretty nice job up front. Getting Twyford back obviously really helps, you know, because he can set the edge better than, you know, I mean, Nick Johnson's been doing a great job, but he's a sophomore and he's a lot smaller, and, uh, you know, Twyford gives us the ability to do that. And so uh, as he gets healthier, our running game gets healthier.
Now tonight we saw you play a lot of underclassmen and sophomores. Was that a decision based on the offense that you were facing against the Buckskins, uh, their passing attack with Grant Stoltzfist, or were there some lingering injuries that forced uh, players like Isaiah Gilmore and Joey Fox into the starting rotation? Well, we had told, well, our, our starting corner, Justin Weller, has, is nursing a sore quad. So we decided, okay, if we're going to use him, we'll use him offensively. So, and we didn't want to spring it on Isaiah, on Isaiah Gilmore at the last moment. So we decided on Wednesday, and we told him Wednesday, listen, you're going to be uh, starting at the corner and playing the game. So you have time to process and mentally and everything. And he had a heck of a game. He played I mean, very well. He made the one catch, but he was all over him. But he made some great plays. So I was very pleased with him. Um, Joey Fox got in because uh, J.P. Schauber is home puking his guts out. We're hoping he doesn't have mono. All right, uh, but he's been out of school for the last couple of days with a high temperature and everything. So hopefully he'll be back. Uh, but you know, Joey did a pretty nice job while he was in there. So that made it really tough when we go into the second half where we're going to play the JVs when we already have two of our JVs back. Well, now they're out. Already so in. Now, now you're in taking the them second out. string JV back, which means you know they're going to score. Now, I know nothing's finalized now, but it looks based on the return so far and early predictions, Wilson will be the two seed in District 3 6 8 playoffs. How do you go about, and I know you guys like to work a week ahead, you don't, you don't try to jump ahead and film it. I've, Coach Walvin, and Coach Palmer said you always, you know, sneak in a peek at what you have the next week. How do you do that as playoffs approach, having really no clue who you're going to be playing? You just have to wait until the yeah. results are posted? Basically, what we did is we set up with all the teams that we possibly could face on Huddle that, listen, here's the games, let's trade. So we are ready to roll as soon as we know. It's just push a button, they send us, we send them, and we got the film. So tomorrow morning at 4 o'clock, I'll be watching whoever we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we find out soon because everyone will be excited to know. Uh, Until they get all those numbers. It's so hard to compute with the new system. Uh, some of these teams wait forever to enter the results. <laughs> right. I know Mike Drago is always harping right. about that. Um, but Central Dolphin beat well, State College. The only, there's only four eight games that you have to worry about. True. It's not even that with some of them playing yeah. each other. I wasn't uh, sure if the way... Um, some of the York teams and Manheim Township, if any of the losses would affect them, if Township could jump up, depending on what happened. Township, I don't think can, the only chance, I, and I could be wrong, but I think the only chance Township had was to, if CD East lost. And they did not. And if they had lost, it would have been really, really close. Really close. They might have been ahead of them at 5-5. Five five. Then the field is probably set, we just don't know exactly where, where to see. The Cumberland Valley loss kind of threw a wrench into, uh, into everything. Yeah, that well, I think that'll end, they could end up dropping four. I yeah, I expected to get four or five, which is right. basically the same thing. Right. Just depends on who yeah, gets to host the game. Yeah. So. All right, well, we'll, we'll let you uh, head off and uh, get to the bus and head home. But uh, congratulations on a, on a great win and another uh, great regular season. And now everyone's looking forward to the second season. Well, thank you. And as I said, my congratulations go to my staff, the team, school, the community, fans, you know, everybody that supports us and has supported us and made us what we are. All right. Thanks, thank Coach. You. Well, thank you to Grayson Klein and Coach Doms for taking time following the game to talk with the Bulldog Hour. Hopefully, we'll be able to do a couple more interviews while the playoffs wrap up. You know, we always are trying to grab players of the game or players of note 
and coaches as well. We've talked to Coach Wolwer and Coach Doms twice, and uh, hopefully we can get someone like uh, Coach Palm on as well in the coming games. Well, that's it for the Bulldogs regular season. Now let's move on to a playoff preview. So, you know, a really great effort by the Bulldogs. Once again, great team team play, looking good all around, really clicking on all cylinders, and they um they finished the season with a seven-game winning streak. For the for the year, at least in the, the regular season, Wilson scored 361 points, surrendering just 151, so about a 36 to 15 average score. Uh, and that led the LL League both in offense and defense. They're actually technically tied with Warwick at 361 points scored in the 10 regular season games. Uh, but they were first in the LL in defense, uh, surrendering just 151. In seven league games, the Bulldogs gave up just 80 points while scoring 276. Both of those, again, led the league. So some impressive numbers from the Bulldogs as usual. And they're rolling into the District 3 6-8 playoffs on a high note. Seven straight wins, another league championship, but they want more. They you know, every year the the top three things usually that Wilson football players and coaches will mention: beating Mifflin, mission accomplished; winning your, the league, mission accomplished; and winning District Three. Now that one's pending. They got to win three more games to do that. And remember, because of the move to six classifications, there will only be three District Three games instead of four, which we were used to over the last decade or so. So it takes a few less wins to get that gold medal around your neck, courtesy of District 3. But it's also harder to get into the playoffs, only eight teams going instead of 16. So what's it going to look like? Well, let's see if I can pull up a bracket here and show you exactly. I can say it, but I know you'd rather rather see it. So let's see if we can check that out, uh, courtesy of the District 3 website. Bear with me here as my internet's giving me a bit of an issue. All right, the official bracket. Here we go. Let's zoom in a bit. All right. So, official bracket pulled up. There you see quarterfinal games are all on Friday, November 11th, this upcoming Friday. Your number one seed, Central Dolphin. They put up, uh, pulled off a bit of an upset against the State College uh the State College High School football team uh, on Friday night, winning that game 13-10 to and then sharing the their league title amongst them. Now, State College is in District 6, so you wouldn't be able to see them until the state playoffs following District 3 playoffs. So um, a little bit of a surprise. Is we, I wasn't expecting to see Mannheim Township get in at the 8th seed, uh, but they do sneak in. They actually jumped Dallastown following the Dallastown loss. Mannheim Township beat Penn Manor. They get the eight seed, and Central Dolphin against Mannheim Township is actually a rematch of, I believe, the first week of the season. And uh, Mannheim Township fell to the Central Dolphin Rams 31-9 to in that matchup. A lot has changed since then, both probably good and bad for each team, so we'll see how uh, things go for the Rams and the Blue Streaks, and that game will be played 
in Harrisburg at Central Dolphin Middle School at George Speed Ebersol Stadium this Friday, 7 o'clock. Now, in that side of the bracket, you have the 4-5 and five matchup. Very, very intriguing. Now, Cumberland Valley gets the 4 seed, but they've lost twice in the last three weeks. A shocker to lower Dolphin a couple weeks ago, and then they absolutely got housed in the second half by Harrisburg. Harrisburg not in this bracket because they are a 5A school, not a 6A school. So Cumberland Valley at 7-3 and three is the 4 seed. And they'll play an incredibly strong, talented, and underrated Warwick Warrior squad from LL Section 1. Warwick finished 8-2. and two. After this starting the season 2-2, two and two, they won six straight. One of those losses to the Bulldogs, uh, you'll remember, way back in Week 5. 14-10, the Bulldogs came out on top in that game against Warwick. So that is an interesting game. Definitely excited to see how Warwick matches up with Cumberland Valley and to see if uh, we can get an, an LL team moving into the second round. Um, and hey, if Township pulls the upset, you'd actually have two LL teams making the semifinals in that part of the bracket. Now to the Wilson side of the bracket. Wilson, two seed in District 3 6A playoff tournament in 2016, courtesy of a 9-1 and record, winners of seven straight. At Gursky Stadium this coming Friday, they'll take on the Central York Panthers, the second-place team from the York and Adams Conference. Uh, Part one, section one of that conference, they finished seven and three, and they got the nod of head is, ahead of Dallas Town. Also in the York and Adams conference, and winners of that uh, section one conference outright was Red Lion, who rolled through the entire regular season unblemished at ten and zero. Hornfield, their home stadium at Red Lion High School, they will host. Well, we're familiar with this team, the Central Dolphin East Panthers. If I need to jog your memory. We've played them a lot recently, and uh, they actually ended Wilson's season in 2015. So should Wilson beat Central York, they would have to play Red Lion or Central Dolphin East. Well, we're not going to look ahead too much right now. Let's take a gander at the Central York Panthers just to give you a little idea, a little backstory on who they are and what's Wilson's relationship to them. Well. This is actually only the third time that Wilson will play the Central York Panthers, and all of those matchups, I believe, have been in the playoffs. The most recent coming just a few years ago, almost four years to the day. Uh, the last meeting and Wilson victory was on November 16th, 2012, at Gursky, where the Bulldogs came out on top 35-10. to Just a little bit of highlights from that. Jimmy Brooks had three rushing touchdowns during that game. Jesse Poor also chipped in another rushing score. Dominic Negrelli connected on a pass from Matt Timochenko for another touchdown. And Jesse Poor, Dominic Moyer, and Junior Joseph were some of the leaders on defense that evening. And um, we can take a look at a few of the photos of my photos from that game since I was on the sidelines for that one. You can see uh, Jimmy Brooks celebrating a touchdown, scoring another in the second photo. You also see what I believe is a fumble recovery or maybe an interception by Jesse Poor in the top right picture. You can see him converting on a touchdown at the bottom left. The final scoreboard there, and you can see, you'll notice, 2012, last season at the old Gursky Stadium before the renovation. So you see the old scoreboard, and that's actually grass field that they're running around on. And then the bottom right, Coach Dom's addressing the team following that victory in the playoffs over Central York. Again, 35-10 to back in 2012. 12. All right, so who are the Central York Panthers in 2016? Well, like I said, 
They're the number seven seed in the District 3-6A playoffs. They finished the season seven and three. And uh, second place behind the undefeated Red Lion. And Central York can put up some numbers. They scored 311 points in their 10 games. So averaging just, you know, about five points less than Wilson does, about 31 points a game. However, they gave up 233, so a little bit weaker on the defensive side. Uh, They actually gave up 141 of those in seven league games. So they have a bit of a tough time defensively stopping opponents, but they do have a potent offense that can put up some points. So that's something that Wilson will be aware of. And uh, Coach Wolber and and Coach Don specifically want to have that defense ready to go to combat the dynamic attack of the Central York Panthers. And then Coach Palm and Coach Brubaker got to get those guys ready to go. Hopefully uh, the running game led by the offensive line and Iggy Reynoso and then some solid quarterback play from whoever starts, be it uh, Grayson Klein or Connor Urig. And uh, the Bulldogs will have the recipe for success there. But um, taking a look more now at the Panthers, they're coached by Josh Oswalt. And uh, the only common opponent that Wilson shared with them this year was Hempfield. Central York played at Hempfield in week three, so the last week of the non-league slate. And Central York beat Hempfield 48-42. to that, So that's the only common opponent there way back in week three. Um, Going through the season, the Panthers started off with a win versus West York before falling to Cumberland Valley, 35-7. to They beat Hemfield, as I mentioned, then they squeaked by Northeastern by a point. They lost versus Southwestern by a field goal. Then they won at New Oxford in a huge win, and then won at Spring Grove before falling to the York Adams 1 champ Red Lion, 28-18. They then pulled what at the time was thought of as an upset at Dallas Town. 31 to 27 and then beat York William Penn 41 to 24 to clinch a spot in the playoffs. So that's Central York and that's who the Bulldogs will be facing this Friday at Gursky in the first round of the District 3 6A playoffs and once again here are some pictures from the Bulldogs victory over Central York 4 years ago. And that was the 2012 team that went on to win the District 3 title back in 4A. You know, back four years ago, so long ago when there were only four classifications in Pennsylvania high school football. So, not to get too far ahead of myself, but because there won't be another show until then, I do want to take a few moments to preview the potential quarterfinal round matchup should Wilson win versus Central York. And that would be week 12. And again, that matchup would be against the winner of the number three red line or number six CD East game. That game would be November 18th at Gursky. Again, should Wilson beat Central York? Looking at the two teams that Wilson could be facing, Red Lion, it would be the fifth all-time meeting against Red Lion. Wilson leads the series three to one. The most recent meeting, also the most recent Wilson win, was way back on September 2nd, 2005 at Red Lion, and the Bulldogs came out on top 39-35. to 35. So Wilson and Red Lion have not played while Coach Doms has been the head coach. Now, the last Red Lion win was 14-7 to 7 by Red Lion on September 4th, 2004 at Wilson. So they had a little bit of a non-league home-and-home uh, home series in 04 and 05, and actually the visiting team won both times. 
So interesting note there. Again, only the fifth all-time meeting should Redline beat CD East and Wilson beat Central York, and they'd have a showdown at Gursky in the 6A, District 3 6A quarterfinals. Now, if the six-seed CD East would win and Wilson beat Central York, then the Bulldogs and Panthers would be meeting for the fifth time ever. But most interestingly enough, all five of those meetings would be played within two years and two and a half months. Wilson had never played CD East prior to the 2014 season. And should Wilson win and CD East win, then Wilson and CD East will have played each other basically five times in about 26 months, which is, is kind of crazy because Wilson played them twice in 2014, beat them both times, played them twice in 2015, won the first time, lost the second time when it really mattered. And now should both teams win this coming Friday, they'll meet once again in the playoffs for the third consecutive season. Um, the last Wilson victory last year, uh, week two, September 11, 2015, at CDs, Wilson won 38 nothing. But then the last CDS victory and the last meeting between the teams was on November 20th, 2015 at Wilson, where CDS came out on top in overtime, 20 to 14. So, well, we, we made it, guys. You know, it's crazy to think we're 13 weeks into the uh, high school football season. All the 2AAs are done. All the, uh, well, I guess 12 weeks. All the, the regular season action finished. And uh, second season is among us. It's time to uh, to buckle the, strims, the chin straps and get ready to go. As um, now it's it's lose and go home, win and move on, lose and go home. So it'll be interesting to see how these uh, the Bulldogs react, knowing that they'll be facing the seven seed Central York Panthers, and then have a showdown with either the three or six seed should Wilson emerge victorious in the first round. So we hope you enjoyed everything this evening. Hopefully my co-host, uh, Mr. Justin Raffoff, will be feeling better and able to do our next show. And there will be a next show. It will be on uh, November. Well, we'll be recording it probably about November 20th, about two weeks from now. And uh, it'll either be, you know, we'll either be recapping two Wilson victories. We could be recapping just one Wilson playoff game. There's a little bit of a you know, unknown as we go into the second part of, of the 2016 season. Uh, but we'll be here for at least one more week, one more show. Hopefully it's not a season recap because it's a season recap. The Bulldogs lost. If it's not, well, guess what? That means Wilson's playing in the 2016 district three, six, eight championship game, which would be the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. So hopefully next time that I'm back, Justin will be here and we're talking about the Bulldogs playing in the district championship game. Until then, make sure you follow us on Facebook. Look for the Bulldog Hour and JMNJR Radio. Also, Wilson Bulldogs Football. On Twitter, we're at Bulldog Hour and at JMNJR underscore radio. Justin is at Mr. Underscore Raffoff, and I'm at Coach Joe Mays. We also have an Instagram account. Not only does the Wilson football team have one, but also the Bulldog Hour has one where we post the players of the game and notifications for when a new show is available. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, May Sandwich Shop, our anonymous supporters, as well as Andy Herr. Remember, he's at Andy Brackets on Twitter, and he writes for EasternPAFootball.com and LLHoops.com. Justin and I got to see Andy on Friday night after the victory of Conestoga Valley. It's always great to catch up with him. 
and hopefully we'll get to see him during the playoffs as well. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to bulldoghour.com and see how you can do that. We're always accept in-kind donations, and there's also sponsorship opportunities uh, for you, not just to get on the Bulldog Hour, but anything that we do in social media, we can get uh, you personal personal information you know say supported by this, this person out there or if you got a business we're always looking for that anyway to uh to help the show and offset some of the costs that we uh have to take care of every year year in year out well i think that's it so i hope you enjoyed this episode of the bulldog hour for justin raffoff i'm joe mays and remember go bulldogs Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.